0: Hi, I'm Kirk Flagg. Welcome to the PEO InSync podcast. In each episode, we will take you behind the scenes to explore the ever changing PEO world. We will talk with the industry legends, the people whose hard work and creativity shape the PEO world of today. Also, we'll interview current industry leaders, those who are using their own creativity to grow and expand what it means to be a PEO. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good morning. Today, I'm fortunate enough to have Danine Gurney with me, a longtime friend and mentor. First of
1: all, thank you very much, Kirk, for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you again. Um, and it has been a while, right? Jeez, we go way, way, way back. All right, so how did I get started in the PO industry in the in the beginning? So in, this does go back a long time. So in 1996, I was uh, looking to get out of the industry that I was in and I was, so I was selling dictation systems to hospitals. So I know that sounds really exciting, but <laughs> it was a great career move for me to, to get into that industry in the first place. So I got incredible training. And then I went to a recruiter and she was only, I was really looking into only, only medical sales. And then she found this opportunity of a startup PEO. And I'm like a PEO, what the heck is that? You know, right? professional employer organization. What is this? I mean, it was still employee leasing for the most part. I mean, it just changed its name to that, uh, the PEO industry from employee leasing, right? Just like probably that year, 95, 96. So um, I interviewed and uh, the company that hired me initially, they were paying me really well. And I'm like, okay, well, why not? And it's a really good opportunity. And I learned the business. Um, But I didn't really get launched very easily with that company because they they were a construction company that started a PEO. They didn't really know, so they had hired other people from the industry, which they hired, you know, some really good people, but also who didn't really know how to run a PEO. When you're in sales, it's one thing, but running a PEO is totally something different. So um, I was introduced to uh, Mike Viola and at the time, Dan McHenry and um, Don Hess, who were initially, they were the initial founders essentially of Oasis. So um, I became friendly and basically I said, Mike, you got to hire me. So I switched, <laughs> went to Oasis in uh, November of 97. So, you know, the rest is history, but that's how I, there, I got right? into the PEO industry and stayed in it because of the opportunity that presented itself
0: at Oasis. So you were with Oasis for about 20 years then? 22 years. Just- 22 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's not where you are today. Let's talk about your new venture. Um, I believe it's Janus HR, which is a PEO. Yeah. Give us a lowdown okay. about Janus.
1: So Janus HR, of um, course, we're a startup PEO. We just got launched in August of 2019. So I had a one-year restricted covenant with Oasis. And uh, we launched literally to the day of my restricted covenant. Um, expiring. So that was pretty exciting. Um, So Janus HR got its name. We incorporate that into our tagline, basically. Uh, Janus is the Roman god that is normally depicted of having two faces. So you think about New Year's, and here we are, you know, right before the new year, we reflect on everything that um, occurred in 2021, and then mm-hmm. you come up with some, hey, this is what I want to change, or this is what I like to do better in the in the new year. So you make your goals and you make your transition. So it's the the presiding over time, the Roma god ability to look into the past and into the future. So we incorporate that into our our tagline and our um our mission statement is we listen to our clients' previous experiences, we learn the best method to move forward and position our clients for success, and then we solve their HR. So our URL is we solve wesolvehr.com.
0: Interesting, because I think you have a good model there in terms of listening to your clients. Yeah. Uh, some of the big box uh, PEOs don't listen to their client. They're not taking surveys and the like. So I, I think you've, you've got a winning idea there. You want to tell us a little more about why Janus HR is different, is it service focused uh, when you're looking at that or, or how do you plan on making it different?
1: Well, I mean that's that's essentially it. you know again I when I started with Oasis, we were a startup, but one of the cool things about Oasis is certainly we had the resources behind us with Waconut as the parent company and you know they were a multi-billion right. dollar company then. So I mean at least we had additional resources but that was always great to know that we could always accommodate the client's requests. So we uh-huh. had started at Oasis, we were exceptionally client centric and we did do a lot of customization and, and we grew, I mean, a lot of the industry software is actually built around how we had established it at Oasis. So, I mean, that's, that's an interesting, when I first started GNS HR and I look at, some of the things that were in the Prism HR platform, I'm like, I know why that was created. I know why that was created. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, just very interesting of how the evolution of PEO has evolved, of course, through technology as well. Uh, so how do we, how do we differentiate ourselves? Of course, we are back to being client centric. At Oasis, I mean, prior to them selling to paychecks and you know some of the much larger, like you said, big box stores. I mean, they are, you know, they can't really be that flexible any longer. You know, you can't have all the customization right. because things will fall through the cracks. Well, we think it's really important to provide that level of service that our clients are expecting. I mean, we are incredibly transparent. We're 100% upfront. We provide the best reporting that our clients could possibly. Have hope for. They, they won't get it any, anywhere better than what we're providing to them. So right. 100% transparency into our services, into their business, and uh, helping them grow.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about where you're located, where your clients are, and perhaps your plans for growth in the next couple of years?
1: Yeah, sure. So we're in Clearwater, Florida. So right outside of Bel Air, Florida, which is where I live. Um, and my business partner's also in this area has been here for, you know, he was born here, actually. <laughs> so um, we are in the West Coast of Florida, uh, on the West Coast of Florida, but um, we, ha- we have clients all over Florida. And then we also have clients that have brought us to other areas of the country. So we had an employee in California, not that I want to be in California <laughs> anytime soon, <laughs> Um, but we had the ability to do business in California and Texas, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and, you know, ultimately we know we're going to be adding clients in Alabama, Louisiana, you know, I mean, just start to go up there. We haven't yet gone into the Northeast, but it sounds like we're going to have an opportunity to really truly expand in the Northeast pretty quickly.
0: So, um, what advice? I mean, you've you've started this. You've been going for about two years with Janice. Uh, what what would your advice be to someone who's just starting their PEO or or is a small PEO like yourself?
1: Well, my advice, first of all, would be don't start right before a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. that, that was definitely a hurdle for us to climb. I mean, that was uh, that was very difficult. Um, You know, coming from the industry, I know a whole lot. And I, you know, I can tell you that I've, I've learned so much throughout the years and, and have gotten, you know, I was always very involved with the people in the operations team and, you know, in the sales, we were always on strategic planning and, and um, growing the company and understanding the different challenges at each of the departments, you know, Hey, a new sale, a big sale, 2000 employee company. This is what like the implications of all the different departments. And then what happens to our current clients, et cetera, et cetera. So I I had a really uh, good understanding and knowledge of why you have processes set in place. Um, But then implementing it is different when you, when it's your own company. (laughs) And when you only have, you know, a few employees to start off, it's like well you hire your employees and you train them and I I would tell them all along you no matter what if you're a startup PEO you hire somebody who has you know their subject matter expertise in one particular area of the PEO business they're not going to know it all and we're you're going to have to learn together and of course as a hands-on CEO president and CEO I had to learn everything from scratch and always, always, always have a backup for every process. Somebody has to do, I mean, every every one of our, well, not every one of our employees, but the majority of our um, employees have 100% backup for every little thing that they do, every every item that they touch in regards to the clients. Um, one of the other hurdles I would say is I, I didn't have a strong uh, financial um, controller, financial, you know, we're. I worked with an accountant who did not come from the industry. And right. I would say that um, if I had to do it over, I would definitely, regardless, if you hire somebody from the industry, as long as you get that person trained from an industry expert who started a PEO previously and, and like Gold, G, Gene Goldstein is a perfect example, She is, uh, she trained my new controller, who um, was a client of a PEO for a long time, and she's amazing. But uh, the other thing that I would say, you know, in regards to this controller, and also in regards to keeping your books, I would say, have them audit ready every single month. Because that was another thing that I learned, the hard way as we grow, you know, in the the DBPR of Florida, um, we needed audited financials and it was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that we had gotten to that size that, you know, we need an annual audit. So we learned and we were able to, uh, adapt and weave and, and get it done. But yeah, those are, I mean, be prepared to make some mistakes. I mean, it's going to happen. You just have to make it right for your clients.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, so tell us how how did you go about hiring these people? You you gave us some advice on hiring, at least a financial person that knows the PEO industry. But um, I know at Oasis at one point we were using uh, certain personality tests. Yep. I remember you going over mine uh, with me at one point. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, perhaps I should interview Stacy and uh, we we can compare notes on. You know, how we approached the sales yeah. process. Yeah, exactly. But, but are you using any of those sort of things today? Or are you trying to hire industry experts? Or do you want clean blank slates?
1: Yeah, no, I, I have not hired um, industry experts, but I have an incredible team who has learned and they're, they're very quick, sharp, hardworking, um, and very dedicated to the, to the company and to the success of the company. So we've been very fortunate. How did I find them? Um, Well, a combination. Some were uh, a referral from, you know, the, in our community. So I had a, a really great referral for my number one, my first employee that I hired and she's been with me since day one. So she's been amazing. Um, she is the, the face, you know, she is the client relationship manager. So she, she manages all of the client relationships, you know, first point of contact. And then um, payroll processors and, um, and, again, the controller. And uh, we have overall executive administrator who runs all of the, the back office, you know, sides of everything. Um, and again, I found most of these people through personal relationships and know exactly what I'm looking for and making sure that they're a good fit within the organization that I, I've been successful doing that throughout my career. So, um, I feel like we've been very fortunate to have found the good people that we have. We did have to go through a couple of, um, you know, bad hires or just not very good fits. As a new company, and also because of COVID, uh, you know, I mean, you just have right. to you have to adjust, you have to make some some changes. And um, but I can tell you, I know how to do everything in regards to processing peril. And some of our former colleagues are laughing and very impressed that I can <laughs> I can actually ask all the questions now about yeah. processing perils. <laughs>
0: No, it's interesting. I was talking to a CEO of a startup not too long ago. And while we were talking, he was stuffing envelopes for paychecks at the yep. same time. Yeah. So I, I know it's you're you're doing everything and everybody comes together as a team. And, and I think it's it's probably one of the most exciting times in in starting a business is when everybody knows everything and you all pull together as a team. And, and, and that's a good thing. I think that's a that's a good thing. I think we may have already discussed this, but, you know, PEO is a tough, tough industry to be successful in. Mm-hmm. And, and I know when I was first starting out, probably a little after you, well, I know it was a little after you, uh, CNA, the big workers comp carrier was trying to build a PEO. Yeah. I knew that because it was like Merrillville, Indiana, or someplace like that Hobart or, um, and, and I was familiar with that, that area. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what words of wisdom, I mean, uh, do you have for people that are, you know, maybe struggling out there?
1: Well, I would say more than anything, sales, sales are very important, but understand, understand what your limitations are, and really understand what your, um, what your pricing model is. I mean, you, in the, in the beginning, you really want, you have to have a core, Set of clients. And we were very fortunate at Janice HR to launch with some very, very supportive clients. And I'm happy to say that we haven't lost a single one of those, which is fantastic. And um, they've been helpful to help us grow as well. So they give us great references and and we have helped them grow tremendously as well. So, I mean, it's really, it's really good to have a core group of of clients that you will do anything for. I mean, they know that they're an important client. They're one of the first. So, right. Right. Um, you know, and also grow from that. So, you know, in a particular industry pretty well, cause they're your client. So you understand what their challenges are and their struggles are. So it's much easier to, um, to speak that same language to another one of their competitors or somebody else in their industry. So getting referrals for a company that we know that we handle these services very well for our clients. I mean, there was a a company uh, in the call center business. I mean, they're call center, but they're insurance. I mean, they sell insurance, Medicare, and renewals and everything. So um, they started with 30 employees and they're up to 60. I mean, sorry, they started with three employees and they're up to 60 now. And they grew tremendously through the pandemic. But, you know, they're just rolling out health insurance. Now they're rolling out all the other benefits, the 401k. And so... um, as they've evolved and grown to be, you know, pretty successful, and they're going to add like another hundred agents, we're helping them. We've built them, helped them all along, you know, build their foundation for a great company, a great place
0: to work. Interesting. Um, I, I know early on we were going to do this maybe a month or so ago, and and you couldn't do it because you were doing a um, a changeover in your operating system.
1: Yeah, and I'm. Uh, I'm glad I, I don't did want to name
0: names, but, <laughs> you know, how did you come to that conclusion? that the, the, the first vendor wasn't right for you and how did you get to the second vendor?
1: Well, um, the first vendor that we had is, I mean, every, the majority of PEOs right. use that vendor. So the, um, the other vendor was just a little differentiator. I'm like, you know, this is, and it's really, really slick, and they gave us a really good deal. And one of my uh, dear friends went to go run the the PEO division. So <laughs>
0: I know, I know she is. I wrote yeah. to her as <laughs> so well. They,
1: they gave us uh, a great deal, a great opportunity, and I know I was supported. They've been absolutely amazing. Um, they've helped us transition. You know, it, it, we didn't we didn't realize that it was going to be uh, that difficult. Um, So, but I'm glad we did it when we're still fairly small because we do expect to explode in 2022.
0: And I've heard good things about your new vendor. And uh, one of the things that people seem to like is not only do they do the PEO model, but you have the ability to do the ASO or administrative services only Um, and that you know, that's what I've been hearing people rave about, the ability yeah. to do both models quite, quite easily. Oh, yeah. um, what change, you bet you're, you're an industry, in my mind, you're an industry legend, but you're certainly a leader as well. Thank looking, you. taking that side of Janice that's looking forward. Mm-hmm. What do you see the challenges for your company and or the future of the PEO industry?
1: Well, I think staying current is really hard for for the big PEO uh, companies making any kind of change to their service model. I mean, it's it's a huge hurdle for smaller businesses like ours. We are able to manage it a lot closer and, and uh, more malleable, much more malleable. But, yeah, staying current, the technology, like I said, making that investment Um with it, they have one system. So they basically write all the code for every single one of the services. So everything is 100% integrated with with one another. Instead of like partnering with one vendor for this and it, they write some code for it to interface and then another vendor to do this. They manage it all internally. So it is, um, it's been, it's been, a really great relief to have, you know, I schedule a demo with our vendor and they bring in the different subject matter experts to do the full presentation of everything that we offer, everything, all the services that we provide. Interesting. So I think that staying current is, is imperative and understanding what your clients needs, what your clients need, um, at all the time and also doing surveys and and staying on top of your clients because you can you can fall out of touch very easily without having you know your touch points i mean you can you can process payroll for your clients but not really understanding what their growth potential is you know if they if you don't have that strong relationship and you should have a strategic relationship with each of your clients it's not easy to do and you know, training your clients to actually ask, I mean, your employees to ask those kind of questions to their clients, that's, that's challenging in and of itself. Because I mean, we have so many moving parts in our industry, so you don't really, you kind of take away that strategic element of our clients when they're looking to grow or sell the company, make acquisitions, et cetera. So I think it's really important to, to always have a high level conversation with your clients. And yeah. stay on top
0: of that. I'm so happy that you said you survey clients because that was one of the things I came in uh, when I was with Kelly and started surveying clients. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't necessarily as to what they need or their growth. I wanted to hear about any problems. Are you having any problems service wise? Because Kelly at that time was a little bigger than you are, and maybe you'll get to that point. Mm-hmm. Probably next year, but um, we weren't that big. Um, What problems do you have? So you're hearing about it before you're getting a letter saying, hey, we want to, you know, we're going to terminate the contract. So it was the retention increased by about 8% by just doing that. Right. And that's surveys are are just a fabulous thing. So, congratulations on that. Since you spent most of your time in sales and sales management, this will be my last question. What is your advice, either how to be a good sales manager or hiring a good salesperson?
1: Well, okay. So, to be a good sales manager, I would say um, highly, highly, highly encourage your salespeople to fail because the more failure, they have I mean it's all repetition the more people you talk to the more times you try to to make the sale and have to overcome objections that you didn't see coming you're going to learn how to do it better the next time so it's all about the numbers I mean of course this industry everybody says that in sales it's all the numbers game it 100% is a numbers game how else are you going to learn this crazy business unless you just do it and talk to Talk to clients that have been, you know, again, take them with a the client service rep and have them ask all the questions and, and listen to, you know, wh- what they're actually benefiting from by using a PEO. And so, yeah, understand the value proposition, really understand what your key points are, your differentiator. In um, the majority of times, I mean, PEOs offer very similar services. I mean, we're a full service PEO. We're small, but we're right. very competitive with, I mean, the very big PEOs and we provide a much higher level of service. Um, you know, we're, we're there in person, hands-on. You can, you can talk to me, the buck stops with me, of course. Um, every, I have my cell phone number in my signature. You know, it doesn't happen that often, but you know, this is, I do this for a reason. People need right. to be able to get in touch with me. Right. So, um, but for salespeople, yeah, it's uh, it's more important than anything to learn the business and ask the questions. Do not be afraid to ask a ton of questions.
0: You're right. Right. I remember when I first got in the industry, just supporting what you said. PwC did a report and the about the future of the PEO industry, and and they predicted that there would be like. Four or five big box PEOS. We may have ten. I don't know how many. Um, mm-hmm. But that the the strength of the industry was going to be the smaller PEOS like Janus HR, and that was going to be the ones that were going to be the most successful because they were able they are able to move quicker and provide better service. Right. So I know that you're doing that for your clients out Thank there. You. Let's say someone sees this and wants to get in touch with you. It, um, how would they get a hold of uh, Danine Gurney uh, at Janice HR?
1: Well, the best place is info at HR.com. I mean, that is um, that is going to go to me directly and to our executive administrator, and we will definitely respond immediately. You can go to our website again, we solve HR.com or JanusHr.com. It's to the same thing. And um, call us anytime 727 Janus Seven two seven five two six eight seven four seven. 727-526-8747. But it does spell out Janus <laughs> and,
0: and people who listen to this podcast will know that that I'm gonna, I've said this before, will say it, but I'm focusing on people who I think are knowledgeable and have tremendous integrity. So I, I, I believe that with you, Deneen, and I hope you're very, very successful. And if there's anything I can do, let me know. And best wishes for uh, 2022.
1: Thank you. And Kirk, again, I really appreciate you having me on. It's great to see you again.